the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, good afternoon and welcome. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper today, and it's my privilege to be in with Dr. Alex McFarland. Hi, Alex. Hello, Brother Jim Stanley. How are you today? I'm doing well, thanks. How about you? Doing great. I had the privilege uh, earlier uh, this morning hosting AFR This Morning, and I'll be doing that again tomorrow, too. And uh, it's always a great honor to be on, but it's always a great honor to have the listeners of Exploring the Word out there. And this morning, while I was taking calls on AFR This Morning, which uh, is heard 8 to 9 Eastern, 7 to 8 Central, and so forth, had a, a number of callers that said some just very kind things about what we do on Exploring the Word, and that's very, very humbling, isn't it, that people listen and they feel a great benefit from learning the Word of God as we all study together. Amen. That's good stuff. Uh, it's always, when when you hear, you, you always hear from folks, it seems like when you've done something wrong or when there's something they don't agree with or there's something they don't like, maybe I miscomb my beard one morning. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but for folks to come alongside and tell you that you've done something good, that is reassuring. That's confidence building. But like you said, you know, it, it can also be very humbling, and it should be because, again, the glory is not ours. We pass that on to the Lord because I can promise you any good thing that Jim Stanley says, anything that you might find a blessing from, that's going to come from the Lord because there is no good thing in Jim Stanley except the Lord. And I have to tell you, where we're at in John the 10th chapter today, this is exciting to me because, you know, when I was on with Bert the other day, we had the opportunity to talk about something similar. And so now today, uh, Bert told me that we're in chapter 10 at verse 31. And um, I want to go back, if you don't mind, just a little before that, um, there and, and, and pick up to what what the topic is. want to make sure that we have it, um, you know, that we see the, the total context. Exactly. Thank you. The word was eluding me today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, if you don't mind, can we start back at verse 27? I would love that. In, in fact, let me read that. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You know, Jim, we've got the whole panorama of Scripture. But if, if the only holy word that we had was John ten twenty five through 30, we still would have enough good news to be joyful and have reassurance. I mean, this is just amazing that nothing can snatch us out of the Savior's hand. Amen. There, you know, it, it made me, when I was reading that, it made me think of the verse over in Romans in eight thirty eight through 39, where Paul writes, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, boy, those those are some powerful scriptures. 
But here you have the living son of God that says eternal life comes from me. And if I have given you that eternal life, you'll never perish. And no one will ever snatch or pluck you out of my hand. Um, You know, and then what happens right after that? Boy, you want to talk about Satan taking offense to that because Satan knows what's coming. What, what What happened right here there in verse 31? Then the Jews took up stones again to stone Mm. him. And Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? Well, isn't You know, I'm not trying to be trite or sarcastic, but verse 31, the Jews again picked up stones to stone him. I'm seeing a pattern here. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he claims to be the Messiah, he does everything that would be proof of his messiahship. And whenever they hear the message, the, the undeniable reality of the Savior, they pick up stones to stone him. Jesus says, I've shown you many good works from the Father. They're not, of, not just from down below, from earth, but from the Father. For, for which of these do you stone me? I mean, because the irony of that question is a man doing the works of God is not worthy of being stoned. Mm. You know? And verse 33, we are not stoning you for any good work, said the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you who are a man declare yourself to be God. Now, Jim Stanley, when I was in college and, and I first went to uh, UNC Greensboro, not a Christian school, s- secular state-run school, and in my world religions class, I was told that Jesus never claimed to really be God. Mm. And yet, John 10.33, here's why they were wanting him killed. He was claiming to be God. Right. He, he was claiming by, by the statement, I and my Father are one. You know, um, I'm doing these things because my Father has told me to. Which of these things are you going to stone me for? Well, we can't stone you for doing the good works. You know, that's that's not why we want to stone you. So we're going to charge you with blasphemy. And because you being a man, make yourself God. And verse 34, Jesus answered them. And and this, Alex, this sounds just like when he, when he confronts Satan. You know, uh, Jesus answered them, is it not written? So again, Jesus wasn't going just from his own knowledge. Although that's it. He wasn't going by by proclaiming, look, I'm God and you have to listen to me. Here's what he says. He says, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent in the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. This reiterates what you just said, Alex, that Jesus did say he was the son of God and that he was equal to God because he and the father were one. So scripture repeats itself and the fact that Jesus is the son of God. And in a little while, maybe not today, but next week or on down the line, we're going to see some more of that, aren't we? Well, we really are that Jesus unequivocally claimed to be uh, God incarnate. 
And do you know, really, let me say this, that uh, a number of great scholars have pointed out that this is this is kind of a rare thing. I mean, there have been a lot of people that claim to be like some Messiah figure. There have been false teachers like David Koresh, many would recall from about 30 years ago, and Jim Jones. There, mm. there have been cult leaders that claim to be like some Messiah figure. But Jesus was literally claiming to be the the nature and essence of the eternal God, and he you know proved it by he said destroy this temple and three days later I'll raise it up again. I mean the the key proof of his messiahship is that he rose from the dead, something nobody else could ever do. But yes, we're going to see that Jesus unequivocally claimed to be the way to God, God incarnate, and he proved it by rising from the dead. Now. He quotes Psalm 82 here in uh, John 10.34. Now, this doesn't mean that the Bible in any way teaches what's called polytheism. Mm. I have said, you are gods, and this is little g, G-O-D-S. Right. Polytheism is the belief that there are many gods, and maybe it's kind of new agey, like, I'm, I'm a god too. That That's not what that means. What it is saying is that we are made by God, we are the possession of God. Uh, if you're a, a born-again, saved person, you're a child of God. You're really, in the eyes of the Father, a saint. Jim, uh, this is worth camping out on for just a moment. You know, very often we'll, we'll say, well, I'm just a saved sinner. I, I say that a lot because I know it's true. I'm a sinner. I'm just a saved sinner. But really, and and in no way does this mean we should be arrogant or anything like that, but if you're born again, in the eyes of God, you're a saint because your sins are washed away. The righteousness of Christ is attributed to you. In the eyes of the Father, you're as holy as Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean you're the same nature as Jesus. Mm. He is forever God the Son. We are forever the redeemed of the Lord. But I'm, I'm just don't know any other way to say it. Um, God's people are a holy people, really. And one of the reasons, like Matthew 25 talks about, if we give a cup of cold water in his name, it's as if we've done it to Christ. One of the reasons that we should treat each other respectfully and in a Christ-like way is because when we honor our brothers and sisters, it's as if we're honoring the one whose image they bear, God's image. Amen. You know, um, there a couple of verses down where we talked about 36, where Jesus said, you know, they accused him of blasphemy because it said, I am the Son of God. Uh, that's confirming what Luke said in Luke one thirty-five, where the angel was conversing with Mary. And this is a, a great reminder that Thanksgiving is this week. And then, of course, after that, we tend to look. In fact, a lot of folks are already looking at Christmas, but we look at the birth of the Savior. And 135 there says, The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And this is what I was talking about, the Scripture repeating itself. The Scripture is trustworthy. It doesn't vary from one place to another over who Jesus is. Yeah. It continually confirms that he is the Son of God. Amen. Well said. You know, one of the reasons I've always loved Christmas songs so much, and Jim, I 
probably sound like a broken record. I, I love Christmas, and I love Christmas music. But so many of those great Christmas songs that we love, from O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, till Joy to the World, uh, you know, Silent Night, O Come All Ye Faithful, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, O Holy Night. I mean, all these songs, they, they reiterate that Jesus is the Son of God, God incarnate. And he goes on, uh, he says, If he call them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, then what about the one whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world? So, can people know God? Yes. Could God himself come onto the stage of human history to be our Savior? Absolutely. Mm. And that's exactly what happened in Jesus. Amen. This is Exploring the Word. That's Dr. Alex McFarland. I'm Jim Stanley, and we'll be back in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John, and we're in verse 36. Stick around. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills And it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but that doesn't make their opinion right. That's why Dr. Tony Evans says we need to measure what we think we know against the one who knows it all. He'll tell us more today as we spend two minutes with Tony. There is no information base. There is no knowledge base. There is no subject matter that sits outside of Jesus Christ who created all. There is no job you work that is not dependent upon something God created. There is no discovery that can be made in science that does not root back to the creative genius of Jesus Christ. So he has all knowledge of all subjects. We are in the discovery process. See, we learn things now that back in the Stone Age, as they call it, they didn't know then. It wasn't because it's there. They just didn't have the information. But he tells us that Jesus Christ, all wisdom and all knowledge is rooted in him. That means if you have any knowledge or any wisdom that disagrees with him, you're wrong, not him. What you think about it is irrelevant if it doesn't agree with what he says about it. We got Christians going around talking about, I think, I feel, this is my view, this is my opinion. God is not interested in your opinion when he is the final word on all subject matter. 
Learn more about what the names used to describe Jesus really mean and what they say about how he wants to relate with us. Check out Tony's book, The Power of Jesus' Names, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. One of my favorite memory verses, it was a verse that I learned early on in my Christian life, John 10, 35, where Jesus says the scripture cannot be broken. Isn't that something? John 10, 35, the scripture cannot be broken. Well, welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, along with Jim Stanley, so honored that you're listening in this Thanksgiving week, and please know we are thankful for you, folks everybody that listens to this program, and we got a lot to be thankful for, and we sincerely appreciate all of you that listen. And we're in John 10. In a few minutes, we'll get to some phone calls. If you want to make note of the telephone number, 888-589-8840. In just a few moments, we'll go to telephone calls. But, Jim, I love how Jesus, in a way, he's, he's having to defend himself prove his mission, his identity, and yet he's teaching the Word of God to them. Even as they're accusing him, he's, he's just come to save humanity and make it possible for us to go to heaven, and yet he's expounding the Word of God, helping them understand things they've misunderstood, all the while fighting for his very life. Um, it really moves my heart to think about all that's going on here. Well, because there is a lot going on. You know, it, it's one of those things that when you talk about the Scripture cannot be broken, and then you go back up just a few verses and you reread what was there, that, that again, eternity, the eternal life comes from Jesus, and that no one can take that away from us because no one can pluck us from his hand. And then here we come down and we see that the Scripture cannot be broken. And it's one of those things, Alex, that, you know, to me it just seems like for sure that we want to be a part of that. We want to know that it can't be broken. Um, you know, First Peter one twenty five reminds us, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached as the gospel to you. And so, folks, when we... And I know that those that of you that listen to us frequently and, and faithfully, you've heard us give the gospel message. You've heard us tell people what the good news is. You've heard us try to lead people to Christ. Because when it all comes down to it, that really is what the message is supposed to be. You know, Jesus is telling these people who he is and hopes that some of them will believe in him. And in a few minutes, we're going to read that it, that, some of them did come to believe in him, not necessarily the Pharisees, but some of the people around there that heard the testimony of Jesus and who he was. He was always bringing people to himself, wasn't he? Well, he was, and we're going to see many believe in uh, verse 41 
Um, but let me read something here. Uh, Jesus says in verse 36, uh, Say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said I am the Son of God? In other words, are, are you condemning me because I said that I'm the Son of God? In verse 37, and Jesus is putting out a good, um, this is really kind of a, well, actually it's called a syllogism, where you've got premises and a conclusion. But he says, if I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Now here's the thing. Uh, the miracles validate Jesus. His words validate Jesus. His identity, his uh, message, everything about him adds up. What's the conclusion? Messiah. But he's saying, look, whether it's the miracles you see or the words and me, my person. In verse 38, but if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I and in him and I in him. And again, there is as we look at that, we see that Jesus is simply again telling them the truth, that he's telling them that um he is he can't do anything else but what the will of God is. And so, you know, there are a lot of people that claim to be the Son of God, but they don't do God's will. And so their claims can be challenged. But at the same time, if one is doing the works of the Father, if one is doing the things that God has instructed us to do, then, you know, we can be we can claim to be the sons of the Father. And that's what Jesus is doing here. You know, if Jesus' behavior had been marked by anything else other than the righteousness and power that the people associated with God they worshiped, they would, you know, they would come to believe and attribute his works to God just as Jesus intended them to. And so, you know, you're always going to have people that are going to cast out. You're always going to have people that are going to want to ridicule someone about what they're doing. You're even going to have people that want to say, look, you are a liar. And that's basically when they tell him he's blaspheming, that's what they're doing. And so uh, they're, you know, in 38, but I do, if I do, though, you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I and in him. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. And we will take your phone calls here in just a couple of minutes as we're wrapping this chapter up. Go ahead and give us a call at 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. We're in verse 40 of the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John. As Exploring the Word continues here on American Family Radio. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. 
Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this. And that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks, the important documentary from the American Family Association, is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today. thegodwhospeaks.org This is Bible League International, urging you to support our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. In the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Pastor Roos's three children were kidnapped and murdered by a terrorist cell that hates Christians. Instead of retaliating, the church shared the gospel with neighboring villages, and would you know it, 200 have come to Christ. Some of those affiliated with that terrorist cells, they're praying for Bibles. And elsewhere, Ephraim's store was destroyed in Cairo, Egypt, by radicals opposing the Christian tracts that he displayed on the counter of his convenience store. He has no money to rebuild, but he has shared the gospel with those who persecuted him, inviting them to Bible studies in his home, and over a hundred have come to Christ in the Middle East. They're praying for Bibles. Our goal is to bless 16,000 Bibleist persecuted believers with their very own copy of God's Word. We're a third of the way there, so at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20 in this season of giving, would you pray about it and then call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or give it sendbiblesnow.org, sendbiblesnow.org. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Look briefly at one of your fingers. You've just witnessed one of the greatest displays of God's creative intent there is. No other person in all the world, even an identical twin, shares your fingerprint. God specifically designed each of us to be unique. That means we shouldn't try to carbon copy anyone else in the Christian faith. If God made you an arm in his body or a kneecap, praise be to our glorious God for drawing us to become a part of his body. How freeing it is to realize that we were never meant to copy anyone but Jesus. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. I feel so hopeless. Hopeless. Is there any hope? I I just feel like there's no hope at all. Is there any hope? Get hope. Get hope. Nothing causes me to lose hope like disappointment. That's TWR President Lauren Libby. Something I'd been counting on didn't happen. A relationship goes south. Trust lost in someone or something I had counted upon. When disappointment strikes, my frame of reference gets very, very short. Everything focuses on the short-term disappointment. What's the cure? Realizing that better things are ahead. Jesus said he would never fail or forsake us. He promised to be with us no matter the circumstances. He has our best interests at heart. And he always offers a brighter, long-term future. Disappointed? Lost hope? Tell Jesus. And see your hope quotient rise. Need more hope? We have resources waiting for you, including a free devotional. You'll find them at GetHopeRadio.com. That's GetHopeRadio.com. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Folks, the number today is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840, that the 10th chapter was talking about the sheep and the shepherd. And so we've looked at throughout all of this, 
throughout all of this, we've talked about that. And so safety for the sheep rests not only in the courage and connections of the shepherd, but the conversion of new sheep. And John points this out, that Jesus went back to Perea, uh, where John had baptized in the early day of his ministry, and that uh, not all the Jews were unbelievers, not all followed the Pharisees and the plots to murder Jesus and to stone him, but that there were some who actually came to believe in Jesus. And there in verse 30, 41, it says, Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things John spoke about this man were true, and many believed in him there. And so the, the ministry of Jesus continues. And, of course, one of the things that John spoke about the man were true. Uh, there in, one, in, in chapter 129, John the Baptist proclaimed, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So again, it's about the security of the sheep and the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. And this is what's being reiterated here again at the end of, of John, is that Jesus was still preaching the gospel about himself and many believed in him there. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Jim Stanley along with Dr. Alex McFarland. And Alex, did did you have some closing thoughts there before we go to the phones? No, only that I apologize for the problems with the, the uh, audio connection. Well, brother, that's not your fault. So Yeah, let's take calls. All right, let's go to Essence, Te- Essence in Texas uh, is calling this afternoon. Essence, good afternoon and welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello. Hey, um, I'm reading from the Living Bible. It's paraphrased. You started off with some scripture. I'm sorry I'm going fast because I'm at work. But I heard you in the beginning, you know, no one can snatch you out of the Father, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I went to Hebrews 6, 4, and it says there is no use trying to bring you back to the Lord again if you have once understood the good news and tasted for yourself the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit and know how good the Word of God is and felt the mighty powers of the world to come and then have turned against God. You cannot bring yourself to repent again if you have mailed the Son of God to the cross again by rejecting him, holding him up to mocking and to public shame. All right, Essence. I was going to hang up and listen, okay? Okay, we appreciate that. That's a great question. Uh, Alex, the Bible does not contradict itself, does it? It doesn't. And and I would say, folks, uh, and I've had more than a few Bible scholars uh, confirm this, probably the two most challenging passages in all of the Bible, one would be Genesis 6, and the others would be Hebrews 6. Um, And the question with Hebrews 6, you know, in light of John 10, 28, 29, if nothing can snatch us out of Christ's hand, then how is it that those of Hebrews 6 fall away and can't be restored to repentance? Could we snatch ourselves out of God's hand? Well, the bottom line, and Bert and I address this in our book on 100 Bible Questions, probably the answer is that those of Hebrews 6 were never truly born again. And Jim, let me throw one more scripture in here. Because Hebrews 6 talks about those who who tasted the heavenly gift and experienced the powers of the life to come. And what does that mean? If you look at Matthew 7, 21 through 24, 
on the judgment day, there are those that they said, Lord, you know, we, we did miraculous appearing things. We testified in your name, went through all the outward, you know, motions of religiosity, but Jesus said, I never knew you. Mm. And it, Jim, apparently it's, it's possible to outwardly look very convincing, uh, but there was not that inward relationship. So those of Hebrews 6, it wasn't that they were saved and then later lost. The fact is, despite appearances, they were never even really believers. And that, you know, you're absolutely right, because it goes back to, you know, saying we've done this and we've done that. It doesn't matter what we say. It matters what happens on the inside. And if we've never had that transformation of new life in Christ, then it, it doesn't matter how good we are. That's not what we're graded on, is it? it it's the fact that we have to know Christ as Savior. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk to Chance now from Texas this afternoon. Chance, good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I had a question. I can't place the chapter or the verse exactly. Uh, where Jesus is teaching on uh, if, if you la- if you lay your di- uh, life down for a brother, uh, it is like laying life down for me. Uh, I was wanting to get some clarification on that, as it's been painted in several arenas. Where, if, if example, if I may, if if say one were to were to push someone out of the way of a bus and die in in the in the process, it's painted as a loophole to get into heaven. And I was just trying to get some clarification on that. If I- well, I appreciate your call, and that's that's another really good question. Alex, um, in thinking about that, the Scripture says, you know, greater love has no one than this, and they should lay their life down for a friend. That doesn't change, yeah. the again, the, the fact that one has to be saved. There's not a loophole in Scripture, is there? No, no loopholes for getting into heaven. Um, and by the way, that verse is First John three sixteen. Very interesting that we, there's John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, and then there's First John three sixteen, mm-hmm. and it says, "Greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for us." But uh, Jesus laid down his life for us, and we are to lay down our lives for our brothers, but what, it, what it's essentially saying is that if we lay down our life for the benefit of another, that's like how Jesus did for us. I mean, he gave his life for us. Um, you know, there are great heroic stories of people in wartime that, you know, maybe threw themselves on a grenade to save their whole platoon, and that's wonderful. But Going to heaven is a matter of salvation, and the only way to be saved, I mean, there are plenty of actions and just selfless things that remind us of the great love of Christ, but Jim, the only way to heaven is to be saved by putting your trust in Jesus, the one who laid down his life. One last thing, the First John 3.16, I do think that it's an example I mean, the most Christ-like we could be is when we are doing things not for ourselves but for the benefit of others. But that's not what saves, only faith in Jesus. Amen. 
All right, we're going to talk to Carol from Ohio now. Carol, good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, my question is, about if you could tell me a little bit about the two half-brothers of Jesus. Who Who is their father? Would that be Joseph? Yes, Carol, the... The half-brothers of Jesus would, would have had Joseph as their father and Mary as their mother. Yes, ma'am. Okay. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840 is the number to call this afternoon as we continue to answer your questions. Right now, we're going to talk to Mark from Virginia. Mark, good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello, gentlemen, and thank you for all you do. Uh, I've been listening to you for a long time, and it's uh, wonderful the effort that you give and the clarity that you provide to your listeners. My question is, in John 10, and this is a paraphrase, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice, but when the wolves come, the hired hands run away. And I project that to preachers and ask them, are you a shepherd of your sheep and willing to stand for them? Or are you just a hired hand and when trouble comes, you walk away from it? Just your thoughts. All right. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for the call. Alex? Uh, we, we live in a world of, of heroes and hirelings, you know? And uh, a, 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 a hireling will run away when the going gets tough. I mean, really. But a true shepherd, an under-shepherd, really, because Jesus is the good shepherd, and, and faithful pastors are often referred to as under-shepherds, but a good shepherd of a local flock will preach the truth of God's Word, whether it's popular or not. Um, he'll do it whether there's, you know, uh, accolades or, or any of the perks or not, and a true shepherd will really be in it for the sake of the gospel and the sake of the souls, not for, you know, any of the things he, think he thinks he can get out of it. And, Jim, I've just got to say this, that um, a hireling will preach what people want to hear, mm -hmm. but a shepherd will preach what people need to hear. You know, that's true, and sometimes even, and, and I mean this as graciously as possible, but when someone is quote-unquote called to a church a lot of times there's a deacon board or an elder board that they um, are responsible to but there are times that i have seen pastors who say look i understand this may be an uncomfortable gospel but it is the gospel and it is the truth and so i'm not going to back yeah. away from it and so i think Amen. those would be the true shepherds all right Let's talk to, boy, Texas is busy today. Let's talk to Edward from Texas this afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, sir. Did you say Ed from Texas? I did. Yeah, welcome. Oh, well, well, thank you. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. There was a, you had a man earlier who was talking about uh, John 3.16 and then 1 John 3.16. And um, right. I just wanted to edify and provide uh, maybe some more information from, from yourself, the experts there, uh, sir, on maybe discussing and sharing in with that information the age of accountability. Mm -hmm. I've run into a few people where um, 
they question it and they don't they try to understand the Lord's uh, words, uh, the scripture, the gospel, and they they think that not everyone is covered um, if they haven't heard the message. And I believe that if I, if I'm not mistaken in my reading, that everyone's covered by the age of accountability. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it could be that you're 92 and you haven't heard. You, you, you have a spirit inside you under, and, and you understand hey, some things. Hey, Edward, I'm going to let Alex speak to that because now we don't want to confuse the issue about the age of accountability. Most of the time that's rendered to children. Um, and we've talked about that before, that there's not really a set age. It's not like, okay, eight, you're responsible. Nine, you're responsible. It's one of those things that five-year-olds can be responsible because they understand the difference between good and evil, and they understand who Jesus is. So, Alex, as, as we look at this and, and we talk about this, everyone has been presented the message. So there's not an innocence at age 92, is there? No, I mean, the the fact is that we all know we're sinners, and the fact is we all know that there's a God. Uh, Psalm 19 says that line unto line, it goes forth the sun, and there's no speech nor language where this voice is not heard. And then if you look at Isaiah seven sixteen, speaking of the Messiah that would come, it says, before he knows to choose the good and avoid the evil, the hand of God would be upon him. And and so I will say this, Jim, the phrase, quote, age of accountability is not in the Bible. Right. I definitely think that the, the concept is that there comes a time in the life of every child, um, and, you know, it, it could be five years old, could be eight or ten years old, but a child begins to understand right versus wrong, and a child begins to understand accountability, and so that's why... Uh, the the Bible says, I mean, if you read Romans 1 and 2, it says that we are without excuse, Romans 2.15, because the law of God is written on every heart. Now, let me just say, Jim, those that are maybe mentally incapable, we know there are, mm-hmm. you know, sadly, there are, there are people born with, with handicaps and challenges, and they they couldn't possibly understand their accountability to God. I'm not talking about, you know people that are mentally handicapped or something like that, but uh, the vast majority of all humans that have ever lived, they there's a time when that moral conscience switches on and they can understand right versus wrong. Amen. All right, good stuff. Edward, thanks for the call this afternoon. We sure appreciate it. And now we're going to talk to Steve from Texas. Steve, good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi. Uh, my question was, but the original question, what is original sin? And doing some research on that question, I learned rapidly that Adam and Eve didn't commit the original sin. They may have been the first humans to sin, but uh, what would be a good biblical reference or a good direction to go to start continuing research and what was the original sin? Alex, well, I think we had this question last time you and I were on, and you mentioned that it actually my- started with Lucifer. It did. Isaiah 7, I'm sorry, Isaiah 14 would be a good place to start because pride, the original sin, was pride in the heart of Lucifer. And he wanted to overthrow heaven, really, and put his throne above God. And sadly, he apparently 
conned a third of the angels in joining him in this failed coup attempt, and he was thrown out of heaven. Now, oftentimes when people say, quote, original sin, they're referring to Adam and Eve in the garden and the fall of Genesis chapter 3. But, you know, in a literal sense, Lucifer sinned first. And Jim, I'm, I'm going to kind of sum up all of human history. Satan could not kill God. So he has tried to harm the ones made in God's image. Mm, I mean, all of the sin, the the violence, the murder, the slander, the immorality, the the debasement, the dehumanizing of people, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Satan has tried to tempt and harm the human race because he's actually at war against Almighty God. Mm. Amen. All right, let's talk to Betty from Illinois now. Betty, good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. I called today because I heard something that really set me back, and I had never heard it before, and so I wanted to get your opinion about it. Um, I heard that Adam had a wife before Eve. Have you ever heard anything like that? Alex? Yeah, there was, it's it's really a kind of a Jewish legend, uh, and there is no biblical or historical basis for it whatsoever, but it was supposedly a woman named Lilith. But the name Lilith and this, frankly, legend only occurs in kind of like occultic literature. No serious Bible student believes that, and so no, it the Bible says Eve is the mother of all living, mm-hmm. and it also calls Adam the first man. But now throughout history, Jim, there has been um, what we would call, uh, you know, uh, occultic, like speculative, historical fiction, you know, um, and and it's it's merely a, a curiosity, but it has no basis whatsoever in fact. Yeah, it's it's a continuation of the garden with Satan saying, did God really say? You know, and so here it's like, well, was Eve really the first one? And so we have to be careful that we stick to the scripture because, you know, we see the creation of man and woman. We see that there in Genesis. And so anytime you have those types of questions, Betty, I would encourage you, and and this sounds like a cliche and I don't mean it to because they're a good ministry. They're friends of us, but I would I would venture back to Genesis uh, for those answers. Amen. So let's talk to Donna now, calling from Mississippi. Donna, good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you, Jim. I just love your show. Been listening for years and years, and um, I was hearing um, uh, the the comment about the accountability of a child, and I know that James Dobson uh, became a Christian. Uh, at a very early age, I think it was at three. I can't remember, but three years uh, it was old. very That's what young. Doctor Dobson says, "Yes." And yes. Um, uh, so there's a verse in the Bible that says something about uh, a child when they knows the right hand from the left hand. I can't remember what else it says, but could that be a judgment of? of accountability uh, for some children. I know that it's all different, and I'm not questioning James Dobson's uh, yeah. spirituality. <laughs> I wouldn't either. But, uh, I, 
wouldn't dare. <laughs> and uh, I've loved his books. I've read so many of them. And um, but anyway, is uh, do you know that verse? Um, a child that knows you know the right that. hand from the left. Go ahead, Alex. Um, do you know uh, the last verse in the book of Jonah has the phrase? Do they, they don't know their right hand from their left? Now, uh, the the verse about a child knowing good and refusing evil is Isaiah seven sixteen. But then the the phrase and sister, I'm with you. I I love these phrases because the way the the Word of God has you know so many phrases it 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 really hangs with us but it's the last verse of the book of jonah where god says of the ninevites they don't know their right hand from their left but jim the concept is knowing right from wrong and the spirit of god moving us to do what's right and repent when we do wrong amen folks this has been exploring the word jim stanley in for brother bert harper I'll be back with you again tomorrow afternoon as we begin chapter 11 and the Gospel of John. We encourage you to be with us. Tell someone about Exploring the Word. Tell someone about AFR. But tell everyone you can about Jesus. Thanks for listening. Have a great afternoon. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.